Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. Now, if you've been a listener to Broadway Radio over the years, you might already be familiar with my specific aversion to audience participation in shows and how even Actors in the Aisles makes my inherent introvertness come out in full force. However, the one exception to that personal rule is when it comes to immersive experiential productions. I love stepping into a fully realized world where I can explore and experience things not as an audience member, but as someone in the world of the show. That is why I was so excited to talk to Darren Lee Cole and Alexander Wright, the co-creators and directors of the new site-specific immersive theater experience at New York's Soho Playhouse, Tammany Hall. Performances begin this Friday, October 15th, and you can get tickets at SohoPlayhouse.com. Of course, we will also have a link to purchase tickets in the show notes and at BroadwayRadio.com. Tammany Hall takes visitors back 92 years to election night, November 2nd, 1929, for an up-close look at the corruption, scandal, romances, and intrigue that brought New York's most notorious political machine crashing down. While awaiting the results of the night's big mayoral race, audiences engage with 15 different rooms throughout the historic Soho Playhouse, and they can spot folks like Jimmy Walker, Fiorella LaGuardia, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Legs Diamond, and other luminaries that are on hand for the celebration. Audiences will be able to observe all of the political machinations in the club room, spy on the trysts of these society types in the penthouse suite, peek in at Folly's rehearsal on stage, and maybe even knock back a libation or two while conspiring with henchmen and government spies in the underground speakeasy. Immersive theater and New York political history, this is very much my jam. And after talking to Darren and Alex, I am even more excited to see it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Darren Lee Cole and Alexander Wright. Alex and Darren, thank you so much for, for talking about this. I am so excited about uh, this show. I love the immersive stuff that uh, has become, become so popular in the theater community over the past decade or so. Um, but Darren, I want to kind of start with, with you. I think recently, over the past five, six years, or maybe even longer, the Soho Playhouse has become so known as this incredible home for like solo storytelling. This is probably about as far removed from that as you can get, I would imagine. So how is that transition or difference between those two things not only going to happen at the space physically, but also what kind of changes does that bring for you as the uh, co-creator and co-director um, to work on something very different, even though you've had experience with other things, obviously, but in this space being something very different from what a lot of people know uh, the Soho Playhouse for? Yeah, well, certainly file under necessity being the mother of invention to a degree. Uh, when we first were getting our heads around what COVID meant and what this pandemic meant, uh, to our theater community at large, and specifically the Soho Playhouse, I thought it was a time to think about other ways to do shows in the building. As you mentioned, we're known for smaller, really intimate plays, many of them one-handers, some of them with small cast, done you know, on our lit stage in our cozy auditorium. But this one now is going to be a fully immersive show that recreates a date in history, November 5th, 1929, 
That's the mayor's election day in New York of that year. And we used the entire building as a fully immersive experience into that date. And the election, uh, the candidates that year were the famous Jimmy Bo James, Jim Walker, uh, who was the mayor for the last two terms and he was going for re-election and he was up against a young upstart who was backed by Franklin Delano Roosevelt named Fiorella LaGuardia. So, and this all took place in a time where Tammany Hall, which is the name of the show, was still at the peak of its political power in New York. Jimmy Walker was a machine, a politically machine-made man from Tammany Hall. So, and our building has ties to that history specifically mm -hmm. at 15 Van Dam Street. So those various elements, and then trying to create a situation where we felt if we had to do a socially distanced situation and have people not all clumped 200 sat in a very small auditorium, what's the best way to do that? So an immersive show that encompasses from literally the roof on the top of the building all the way into the basement speakeasy at the bottom of the building became a very interesting idea to me. And I'm fortunate enough to be sat next to one of my good friends now, uh, Alex Flanagan-Wright. And Alex and I have worked together in the past. Alex has performed shows of his here at Soho Playhouse. And Alex is also uh, one of the supreme immersive theater makers that, mm -hmm. that I've met in my many travels. So I told Alex about the idea of Tammany Hall, and then I had been noodling this idea for some years and then I went to London and saw Alex's immersive show that is narratively led as well about the Great Gatsby, uh, called Great Gatsby, happening in London. And that's when it really clicked with me. And I thought, well, if I can get Alex and bring his, his skill set to the idea of Tammany Hall, we really might be onto something. Yeah, and, and Alex, obviously he mentioned uh, The Great Gatsby, which is this very long-running immersive show in the UK, obviously also based in New York in the 1920s, but in a very different kind of uh, world that they're living in. As you've gone from that world to this world, um, what have you brought from the Great Gatsby experience in terms of the storytelling uh, outside of the immersive aspect of that now that you're getting into Tammany Hall? I think it's really exciting looking at the kind of darker end of the decade in a way. You know, the, the world of the Great Gatsby or the world that we kind of socially understand as the world of the Great Gatsby is absolutely, absolutely the height of the Jazz Age. And the Jazz Age was a term coined by and used for F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda Fitzgerald and those kind of early years of the 1920s, which were full of hedonism and social liberation. So it's really exciting to meet the far end of that decade at a point weeks, you know, just weeks after the Wall Street crash, um, at the point where we know now where history is heading. But seeing some of those things start to happen, seeing some of the, those political machines start to fail um, and the effect that those huge world events had on the kind of um, political foundations of such a global hub of New York. It feels really exciting. Um, and yeah, you're kind of right. I'm a bit obsessed with New York in the 1920s. Um, maybe at some point I'll get interested in UK history, but right now I'm, I'm pretty deep in the New York world. 
and how does this work? You had kind of mentioned that it's a narrative-based immersive show. So with these 15 rooms, is it guided or can you explore on your own? Are you following, can you follow a certain people? So you follow one part of the story or how are you getting the, the entire narrative that is being delivered in Tammany Hall? It's a, it's a form that I'm really in love with actually. And we try and talk about it as narrative led um, immersive work. So other immersive work is quite experiential led. You know, if you go and see Sleep No More or any other Punch Drunk show, you're often picking your own route and kind of having your own adventure around the building. Um, if you go and see some other shows, you end up on quite a particular track um, or time-coded shows. You know, you'll, you'll move quite specifically within a world and a group of audience that you're with. But for us, we want everything to be story-led. So it's a very text-based piece of work um, and all the characters know that all the audience are there. So the way you journey through the narrative is by invitation from each character because those characters will believe that you being present will help them achieve whatever they're trying to achieve. That might be something really exciting, like some characters want to go and have a party and celebrate, in which case it's great for them to be able to invite 30 people into a speakeasy to be a part of that celebration. Equally, a character might want to have a very important, quiet, confidential conversation with someone, in which case they'll invite one audience member to come with them to do that. Um, Across the show, there's normally about five or six things happening at any one time. So the audience by no means see everything. Everyone will have a pretty, you know, unique experience. Um, But whichever way you journey through the show, it makes cohesive and coherent sense in terms of a story. Yeah, that's I, I love that stuff. And it, that way you can go multiple times and and potentially see all of those different things that are happening at once that you missed the first time, which is uh, so much fun. That's a terrific. That's a terrific idea, Matt. I think everybody <laughs> should come more than once. Yeah, at least five times if there's five things going on at once. Yeah, at least. Um but but Darren, you mentioned that um, you've worked with uh, with Alex before, but I wonder how is directing and even creating this big site specific immersive show over a dozen rooms? How is that different from the work that has to be done on the creation end and then the directing end from a traditional stage show? Even even if it's not like a you know one of the Soho Playhouse you know familiar one hander or two hander shows, but just a traditional show. How much different work does it take to do something like Tammany Hall? Well, quite the, the simple answer is quite a lot of work, and I've learned uh, so much already in this experience. The benefit of what we're doing is we have myself and Alex as the co-directors, but we're also joined by Megan Drury, who is our associate director. So we have three active directors in the building working on things simultaneously. So keeping ourselves organized and keeping ourselves communicating to one another. So the right hand is always knowing what the left hand is doing is one of the challenges. But also I found it to be such an eye opening and wonderful experience to be able to look at the same, uh, the same piece of material and have three different sets of eyes on it and three and three different ideas that we get in a room and we coalesce those ideas into a singular one. So that's been great. The, as you would imagine, the physical incorporating, yeah. you know, putting this show in is massive. You know, there isn't a corner of the building 
that isn't being painted, redesigned, because we want you to walk into 15 Van Damme Street into the Soho Playhouse and feel completely in every way that you are November 5th, 1929. So that goes to the detail. If, if you open a drawer, what would be in that drawer is accurate and to the time period. So we carefully put together a design team that, and interviewed a lot of people for that design team. And again, I feel like I've, I've been fortunate throughout this because we kind of hit the jackpot with really creative, innovative theater makers as our design team. And we, we rely on them heavily for this. Yeah, it would seem like you would have to uh, if you really are going to make every single inch and corner and nook and cranny of that building uh, feel like it is. The good that news is that if I had imagined to do this show, Tammany Hall, about that election in 29, if I were to create a building, if I were to go shopping for a building that would house it, it would be the building we're in. <laughs> so in that respect, we're very fortunate again, because our building where Soho Playhouse is now is built in 1826. It was indeed the social club for Tammany Hall for almost a yeah. hundred years. Jimmy Walker was in this building and was rumored to have his love nest with his girlfriend uh, at the time, Betty Compton, who's in the show, mm -hmm. in the actual penthouse that we're speaking to you from currently. So the canvas that we get to paint upon is ready-made for this. It historically existed at that time, and the bones of the building feel like what it needs to be already. So we're very lucky there. Yeah, that, I, as as a history guy myself, that that is just such a cool opportunity to do something like that with a fully themed out type show. Uh, it's it's absolutely mind boggling all of the fun uh, little things that I can only imagine you guys are putting into the show right now and into the building itself. Um, I, I am interested, though, because some of the the stuff that you've talked about in, in some of the press releases and on websites and stuff is the parallels between the volatile times that were happening at this point in the 1920s and then some of the things that are happening currently in the 2020s. Um, and I wonder, as you start to nail everything down, as you start moving forward towards the first performances, as the audiences start to come in, how obvious will those kind of connections be or will it be a little subtextual, but they're still there? How, how does that work into the actual narrative storytelling of this show? I think that we try not to belabor the point or be too heavy handed with the point. I think by truly and accurately representing the situation in November 1929, the parallels become self-evident. They, they yeah. become obvious. You know, the stock market crash was basically if you were to take COVID and reduce it uh, to a week or two's experience that completely upended and changed society forever, that would be the equivalent of the stock market crash in 29, which happened in October, as Alex mentioned, just weeks before this election. And I think it shook people to their foundation, similarly as people have been shaken in our recent times. And... It also, when the foundation of what everything you know is so shaken, I think it opens doors and windows and opportunities for new social movements, new politics, new ideas. And what comes through those doors is, I think, 
capable of us having a very bright future altogether. And it certainly manifested uh, a great change in American politics. This election in 29, what, spoiler alert, what Walker <laughs> and the Democrats win that election. But Alex and I have been tossing around this concept of, but it also feels very much like the last days of Rome. It, they they <laughs> classically uh, won the battle, but lost the war that night. Within a few years, Walker is ousted out of the office. LaGuardia, backed by Roosevelt, then governor of New York, Franklin Roosevelt, uh, is elected mayor right after Walker. Roosevelt and LaGuardia work together to try to incorporate and install new, more socially conscious politics into New York City at first. And that laid the foundation what Roosevelt took to Washington and became the New Deal. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Um, Alex, Darren mentioned the things that he's learned during this process with his first real deep dive into the immersive storytelling. This is obviously not your first go around in this, but I wonder coming here to do this show with all of the historical connections that it has to the building itself and and doing this show about New York in New York. I wonder what you've learned from this whole process um, that maybe you hadn't had the opportunity to understand in the shows that you've done in the past. Um, I've definitely learned that my understanding of American vernacular is far less <laughs> than I thought it was. Um, I thought I had a pretty good handle on that. Not so. Um, it's really, I mean, it's a real pleasure to make a brand new piece of work that's rooted in history. I mean, I've done, you know, we've all done such a huge amount of research um, into the work and into the time period to be able to bring this story to life. And, and you know, the, the, the running length of the show will be about an hour and a half. We spend about an hour and a half in the building. Wow. But the amount of content was probably about seven hours, seven or eight hours of show packed into that hour and a half because there's so many things going on at the same time. Um, so making that with a brand new bunch of people who I haven't met before, aside from Darren, um, feel, you know, that is, it's always such a real thrill to, to get into a room with new artists. Now to do that, not only in, um, in a company that I haven't met before, but also in a city that I haven't worked in before and a system that I haven't worked in before feels, uh, you know, it's very, I don't know, it's a bit cheesy to say I feel humbled by it, but I do um, because the invitation to be a part of that is really gorgeous. And I feel like, the experience that I can bring to the table um, is one part of the jigsaw, but it's a real pleasure to meet the rest of the jigsaw. Um, I think a lot about that, that moment in history and telling a story about a moment in history in the place that that history occurred in is really quite remarkable and not often possible. So that feels like a real, um, you know, a real key moment for me. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of talked about how much you want the, the folks that are coming into the building to feel authentic and you want it to feel like this is something that they are stepping into for real. What is kind of the the vibe of um, what you expect the audience to do in terms of being a part of this immersive type thing? I know it's not the experiential stuff that you talked about, but um, are they, I guess, are they just onlookers or are they other people at this party? How are they a part of this story? Oh yeah, they are definitely a key part of the fun. Uh, one of the things that really turned me on about Gatsby in London is, and, and we're trying to recreate a similar sense 
of the fun of that is people, came, the audience came dressed in 20s. That was that. I was going to ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> and we, you know, we don't want to feel like people are made to feel like they are going to a costume party and they have to be costumed. But if you have the inclination and you want to throw on a great 20s outfit and come in, we really strongly encourage that. We rely on the audience a lot to help us with the narrative. It, is, it isn't like, though, any audience member is ever put on the spot for anything. We're, we're not going to... I'll let Alex speak more about this because this is where his experience really uh, comes in handy about the comfort level of the audience and how to ingratiate them without alienating. Yeah, it's all done by invitation. So the, the kind of key part of this narrative-led immersive work is that the characters and the audience all exist in the same world. So in traditional theatre, all the actors and characters are on stage and in a very different imaginative world to everyone off stage, right? You know, we all sit in a dark auditorium and watch a bunch of people pretending for a while. Um, but in this work, everyone is at election night at 7pm or whatever time it is on the 5th of November 1929. All the characters are, all the audience are, and we're all in the same room. So that kind of means we work far more on normal social rules than theatre rules. So if a character talks to you, you can talk back because that's how we work in the world. Um, but like Darren says, the audience aren't forced or um, embarrassed into doing anything. It's all done by invitation. So if you get invited by a character to, you know, journey around the building or head to a different room or to be part of a different story, if you accept the invitation, brilliant. You get rewarded by being invited into their narrative. If you decline the invitation, that's also fine. You'll get picked up and something else will be happening before you know it. So it's really important for us that audiences can feel comfortable and happy and supported in their journey around the show and that no one comes in and kind of feels like they've been uh, oh, in any way forced or uh, herded around the building in a way they didn't want to be. That's really important. And the opportunity for all the different kinds of fun the audience will be able to have is how we've, the, the structure really supports that. You can almost think of it as a three act structure in a way where the first act would be on the top floors of the building where the, you witness the political debate between Walker and LaGuardia. Uh, there's James Walker's private quarters on, the, on those levels. There's rooftop action on those levels. There's the big boss's office that's hidden in the back of that level. And then everybody in, through different routes ends up down on the main level of the theater where there's a show within a show, which is really cool, called Violet, because Betty Compton, Mayor Walker's girlfriend, was a Broadway star. So the conceit there is she's rehearsing her new Broadway show called Violet. So we get to watch that, a 20s uh, kind of Follies review being uh, worked out on stage. We're hit up for investment into this new show. We get to peek backstage in the star's dressing room and, in, and their voting for the evening happens in the front foyer with the voting, with the polling uh, booths there. And then by the end of the show, everybody is funneled down into the basement speakeasy. And the big final events all happen amongst drinks and fun in the speakeasy. 
I, I am so excited uh, to experience Tammany Hall. This is the type of thing that even though in a the traditional theater setting, I am usually very uncomfortable with audience participation. But in this type of immersive thing, I cannot get enough. So I am very excited about the show and everything you've you've told me. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing it as we wrap up. I just wonder if. For audience members who are looking to come who might not have experienced this type of immersive show before or maybe have and this is something a little uh, familiar to them, but obviously a very different story. What is the the vibe and the um, the the spirit of the show that they're going to go into it? Is it. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of fun going on, but is, is there the drama stuff? How, what are they, what can they expect, I guess, from the evening as they step into Tammany Hall? I think there's two good answers to that, or, or my answer to that is twofold. Um, I think coming armed with some good curiosity will be really helpful. I think that your, your journey through the show will definitely be driven by your curiosity and your interest and um, your want to find out more and discover more about these amazing characters and the, the acting company we're working with are just incredible. You know, they're, they're a really remarkable bunch of performers for you to be in the company of for this amount of time. Um, and I think, yeah, like you say, there'll be a huge amount of adventure in there. There's everything from very intimate, small um, conversations about our, our social and political responsibility to far bigger scenes, which are far more raucous and lively and um, have a, you know, a much broader suite of that 20s, late 20s feel to them. But I also think there's a, a big conversation in the whole show about our choices and about our political responsibility. Like Darren was saying, that the kind of mirror of 1929 to our current um, social and political world now is absolutely, absolutely about that personal responsibility and the choices that we make. So there is um, a huge amount in the show about that conversation, about what we believe in, about what we choose to believe in and what we stand up for. Um, and that feels like a really vital part of inviting a 21st century audience into a 1929 story. And also the construction is such that when the audience first arrives, you, you know, it's not as much fun to play a game where you don't know the rules. Uh, so and you don't, you'll feel lost. So the first things that happen as you approach the building and as you first interface with any of the characters in the show, there's sort of a laying out of the ground rules. Uh, for you that various characters do. So by the time you land up in the loft space above the theater for what would traditionally be considered feeling like the beginning of a first act, you've had a chat with characters who have told you what to expect, who have sort of laid out the guidelines of do's and don'ts. So we give you a little bit of a roadmap uh, when you arrive. That's fantastic. Well, as I said, I'm incredibly excited and looking forward to this. I wish you both the best of luck in the last week and a half before uh, performances start. It sounds like you still have a, uh, a a lot of things going on, and I'm I, I hope it all goes incredibly well. Well, thanks, Matt. Great to be with you. 